0: Welcome to The Real Estate Lowdown, I'm your host Bill Bymel. The Real Estate Lowdown is your weekly opportunity to step into the conversations going on in today's real estate and mortgage markets. We explore terms and concepts of the industry, post interviews of intriguing industry cohorts from high net worth investors to real estate agents just making their mark. We will share our love of all things real estate, bringing you the most innovative and sustainable real estate lifestyle ideas each and every week. If you enjoy what you hear today, hit the follow button, subscribe, so you don't miss an episode, and please share your support with a quick review. You can find me on the web at billbymel.com, and thanks for joining this episode of the Real Estate Loadout. Today's guest, Brent Bowers, is an investor and coach with a focus on buying and selling vacant land. This is going to be exciting. I can't wait. As an army officer with over eight years of service, Brent was spending a great deal of time away from his family, another way that we can relate. And he knew he needed to make some changes in order to be more present with his wife and children. He began investing in real estate as a way to support his family while having more time to spend with them. In a short period of time, Brent was able to expand his business, hire a team, and more time with the family. You now, Brent, help other investors learn the ins and outs of buying land. And wow, welcome to the show, Brent.
1: Bill, hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be on here with you. Yeah, it's All this came from me trying to quit my job, you know, in in 2018. I haven't had a real job since 2018. I get to hang out with smart guys like you all the time.
0: (laughs) That is really awesome. And, you know, we do not do a video portion on our podcast yet. But if I could explain to the audience that you have this amazing, magical background of the prairie with a rhino and this like just never-ending magic of cloud wispy clouds and it it has me i feel, feel like i'm on acid or something <laughs>
1: <laughs> my kids love it like they're always wanting to take pictures of it i call that uh, ricky the rhino because you know it, excuse me in business in business we have to uh, we have to be rhinoceros we have to have three-inch thick skin right we've always got to be charging we have to have tons of energy and and that's really like i i think the most successful people in business are the ones that they just have a ton of energy leaders you know, executives. So I just keep that rhino back there to remind me what the heck I got to be, you know? Yeah.
0: That thick skin. <laughs> I love that. That's great. You know, and it's interesting.
1: Why land? Why yeah. land? Man, I get that. I get asked that all the time. And thank you for asking me. I love answering that. And I'll tell you, my opinion is because I'm from, ai love that, that coffee cup, man, you know, <laughs> man, that's, that's an amazing cup. Anyhow, I, I get easily distracted. So I'm from a small town called Okeechobee, Florida, and yeah. our biggest producer of income is cattle. And I know a little bit about cattle because I grew up around them. It's the herd. You know, the herd goes to get slaughtered. And anytime there's a herd mentality, eventually, you know, they they all run off the cliff together. And I realized back in two thousand and sixteen, when I was searching for answers, Sorry, I got something going on with my throat today. When I, I was searching for answers, how to get out of my day job so I can be home with my family. I was going on co- third combat deployment, so I had to train up for that. I was listening to the four-hour work week like every day in my car. I was darn near worshiping it, and I had—I thought I had a problem, actually. I was like, man, hmm. <laughs> like this is like turning into like a mini god. Um, but I, What's that? Passion, you passion. Passion, yeah. I was like, I yeah. can do this. And I, I didn't quite believe it. And then I started searching for more answers, listening to the great podcast like this. And I heard a guy talking about flipping vacant raw land and doubling his money overnight. And I was like, okay, I've never heard anybody else saying this. This, there's something to this. And this is the exact opposite of the herd mentality. Everyone's chasing after that dirty old stinky cat pee house and they're fighting over it and 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 bidding wars and all that. And they're 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 making TV shows about it because they're making. Flipping houses look sexy, and they talk about wholesaling houses doesn't take any time or credit or money or brains. I was like, mate, there's something to this land. And it proved me right to to just take a dive into it and take the chance. Hmm.
0: Have you, do you own like a large portfolio or are you mostly flipping?
1: Yeah. A little bit of both. Me and my wife Emily, we keep land all over the country. You know, we just kind of hold on to it. But that land doesn't pay us anything, right? A lot of people think, "Oh, that's a liability." Like you have tax money and all these things, and blah blah blah. I just hung up with a, a financial planning, you know, insurance agent, and he's like, "Well, isn't that a liability?" I said, "Well, no. I mean, it could be, yeah, if you look at it that way. But I also flip most of it." Most of it. Some of it I hold on to it because I know one day the path of growth is going to go through this area, or I'm just speculating. But most of the time, on um, nine, I say 99% of my land deals, I have the land sold to an end buyer before I even take ownership of it. And a lot of times, I use the end buyer's funds to buy it, and what's left over is where I become the bank, and that's where, like you've never seen. Like most of the time, the biggest prettiest buildings in every city and every state are banks because they're pretty smart with money.
0: So what's the largest? Do you have some exciting deal you want to share with us? Like the, you know, in recent years or whatever, like what's your biggest deal, your deal you're most proud of, even if it was a flip at the table kind of thing, you
1: know, my proudest deal was actually my second land deal. My second land deal, it, I bought it for, well, I'll talk about my first one. I bought it for $285 and sold it to a realtor for $5,000. She lowballed me, right? Because it was worth $10,000. But that's the one that showed me like, okay, I can make money doing this. Right after I heard that podcast, I did it very, like, about a month and a half later. My second land deal is the one I'm most proud of because it's the one that changed my life. Because I bought a piece of land that was landlocked for 500 bucks. I was like, this is a crappy land. But what's, I mean, five hundred bucks. Let's give it a go. I just made five grand on that $285 land deal. So I really only made like 4,700 bucks. So I took that $500, bought the land and went home immediately after buying that land, put an ad on Craigslist for $500 down and 400 a month. That next day, someone came to my house and gave me $500 cash. And he paid me $400 a month for many, many months after that. And that one covered my truck payment. And that's when the light bulb kind of went off. I was like, I can keep doing this and I'll become financially free. Cause I just needed to make like six grand a month to get out of the military. Now I've got some way bigger, more exciting deals than that, but that's the one that kind of gave me my start. And there's so many people out there that probably have $285. And if you don't have it, maybe your neighbor will lend it to you and you can do this too. So are you, you're out of the military now, by the way? I haven't had a real job since 2018. Yes, I'm out, 100%.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for your service. Thank you. How do you you feel? By the way, I have a son who just did four years. Oh, nice. And for the Army. And how does it make you feel when people say that to you? Thank you for your service.
1: You know, it's almost like a little uncomfortable. (laughs) It just makes me a little uncomfortable because it's like, I love the appreciation and it's, it was just another, it was just a job. Really. It right. turned into a job. That was it. And I was paid to do it. God bless you people for, for paying your taxes. I pay a lot of taxes too, but no, it was just, I was an honor. It was very respectable. Like I loved it. I enjoyed it. I was just tired of being away all the time. Like my first yeah. marriage failed because I, my first enlistment four years, I was only home like two of those years. I'm mean, saw it with your son, you know? Yep.
0: Yeah, he was gone the whole time. I mean, that's just not the, you know, you did it as a segue, not as a career. And I do admire anyone who's willing to make that their life. And I also, that's why I asked that question, because my son hates it when people say thank you for your service, because he spent his, you know, his the bulk of his time on Fort Hood, you know, doing a very good cause by being a doctor in the hospital and really, but you know, it didn't feel like there was a service, you know, and so there is a lack of comfort that I think goes with it. And I think it's also probably based on the fact that I feel like, you know, it's like almost use by, as a marketing thing these days. (laughs) It's like every corporation or every politician, you know, it's like you feel obliged to say it to people
1: too. You know, it's, I don't know. It's, uh, I just
0: had to, I had to go in that tangent.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a certain humbleness too, as as one thing with military training. I was in the army as well. Like, you know, you become really humble, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, it's like, you don't want to be, and like it's it's awesome for the gratitude and, and just like it's amazing. Like I I got so uncomfortable like when when people would like buy me things on an airplane because I had to travel in uniform and it but it was also really cool too. It was, like it was nice to be appreciated, but it's like, you know what, I don't deserve this. Like what's right, like
0: no, I, know, I, I the humble thing also rings, you know, you know, you're there to do a job, you're respectful, and you know, it shows anyone who is even willing to go out and take this job for any period of time, there's a certain selflessness and dedication to whether it's your country, your family, whatever yourself, you know, whatever you're using as the motivation to get you through. So obviously I'm proud of the fact that I can say that I have a son that served in the army and I'm so so happy
1: that he came home in one piece and never went to war. That's yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll tell you my, like, you know what? Like people should tell our wives and our mothers, even our fathers. Thank you for your service. Because I'll tell you, my, I did two deployments in Afghanistan. My first was one year. My second one was four months. My mom, I came back after the first one, like, you know, and I pray she's not listening to this. It's like, like, you don't look the same to me. Right? She aged probably five or six years in the yeah. the, the one year I was gone because I probably worried
0: So that's so true, Brent. I mean, that is like, you know, you really hit the nail on the head. It affects not just the officers. And obviously, there's a lot to be said for the for those that are coming out of, of real, you know, deployments, like, but you're right. The 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 ripple effect that it has on parents and loved ones, I totally get it. I will tell you, and you don't know me that well, some in my audience do, but I'm a widower. My wife passed away from breast cancer about eight years ago. And I don't even know why I was saying that. Just that, like the, oh, that when I saw her father age in one year, two years. I mean, just like that happens. The effect on families, you know, it does happen. And so you're right. We should acknowledge our loved ones.
1: God bless you, man. God bless you. Yeah. Let's show people how to make some money. This is why I do the podcast. I'm,
0: you know, listen, this is not the the episode you're going to use to, you know, advertise your show. This is an episode about, getting to know you and me and about real things in life. I mean, I love the fact that like you're actually dedicated to helping veterans
1: too, right? How are you doing so? Yeah, no, it's amazing. I got a lot of time on my hands back in 2019, whenever we got the whole, you know, when you figure out your finances and everything's paid, you start Mm -hmm. like needing something to do. Like they say, the idle hands are the devil's playground. So I was like, I need, I'm busy. I'm always like, I was driving my wife nuts because I started working from home. And then someone approached me and started teaching me how to train other people to do this because I was doing it for free and they weren't taking action steps. I was like going on coffee appointments every day and they weren't doing anything. And my coach, he, his name is Tom Kroll. He started Wholesaling Inc. And it's a great training platform. We have a podcast, the Wholesaling Inc. podcast, where we interview our students that are crushing it in real estate. But he's like, what are you charging them? I said, I'm not charging anything. He goes, that's why they're not doing anything. Cause they don't respect what you're showing them. I was like, Oh right. my goodness. So immediately I started charging people. I took on 16 one-on-one coaching students. Nuts. A little bit dumb, actually. How did um, you find 16 people that wanted to take you? I, I, mean, I held a real estate meetup at Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's still going on at jarhead coffee. The first Tuesday of every month at 6 30 PM. Colin Smith and Dan Haberkost. Me and Colin started it. Dan Haberkost is one of my first land sharks and they still run it even though I'm no longer there. But I had about 16 people from there and Facebook come in. They all pay me a thousand dollars each. I was losing my mind having one-on-one calls like all day long with these people and half of them were successful in it. And I was like, okay, I'm on to something. So we created a course around it and then coaching and support calls. And I've got an assistant coach. I've got other sharks doing support calls. And then I looked back about two and a half years later right now and over like 60 percent of our students are veterans and they're just kicking butt in it. Like, I mean, and I mean, like they're doing way better than I am because just I wish I had that support when I started getting started. I made all those stupid mistakes. I shouldn't say stupid. I just didn't know what I didn't know. Hey,
0: You live and learn. That's really a great story, so you've got this you know obviously you've got some great students that you've helped to learn the business, and when you look back again, I'm gonna get personal here when you look back on your career, do you like teaching more? do you like doing deals more how do you oh, how do you how I, do you deal with that I
1: way way prefer teaching because when I get so I'm not going to do it on your show but I smashed this victory bell like all day long. I actually broke the handle off. It's on the floor there. <laughs> but when I hear like people like Alana Cohen that's a single mother of four children in New Jersey, one of the toughest real estate markets in in the country that has just done her 7th land deal and her third land deal is $25,000 net profit. That like charges my batteries and I can't go to bed at night and I can't wait to get up out of bed in the morning. I jump out of bed at like 4am every, almost every morning, not this morning. I was a little tired today, but I'm doing, I'm doing like three land deals right now. I'm looking at my board. I just got five acres in Daytona beach for $150,000 and the city wants to partner with me for affordable housing. I think the land's going to be worth about a million by the time we're done with it. That's pretty cool, Yeah, but I'm way more excited about Alana. Wow, Some that's
0: awesome! Well, you got a, it. Sounds like you got a lot in the works. You are that is important that you even as an educator, you're you're staying present in deals. I certainly would love to own a million dollar property in Daytona Beach. So tell our audience that now that they've gotten to know the real you, and I, I'm I'm sold. Where do they find out more about where to find you and how to? And-
1: Oh, so. I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. I've got to this young market. She actually just got her master's in marketing. She works for Ford now, but she gets me on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. Brent L. Bowers one. Brent L. Bowers one. Oh, YouTube as well. I'm every day. I've got a video coming out on one of those platforms that I'm teaching people how to make money in land. So please subscribe, like it, follow it, whatever the heck all that stuff is. But if you want, call me Here's my cell phone number, 863-801-6959. Now, if I don't take the call, please leave a voicemail or text me. I will try and get back with you as soon as possible. But that's that's how to reach. Me, I I'm I love doing deals with like we're do our sharks, we're doing deals together all the time.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love it. The land sharks, the landsharks.com is also your website, right? Yes sir. That's really good stuff. I think it's and I love the fact that you're accessible. You know, anybody who is willing to give out their cell phone and just say call me, I will get to you. There's no fear of, you know, you're they're not trying to hide anything. That's how I operate. People have my can find me on the internet. My phone number is everywhere. I might. You can even probably come to my house if you wanted to, but please
1: call me before you do. (laughs) Yeah. Don't ever show up at my house. I have a lot of guns, but you know, if you call first, uh, we'll probably meet, but uh, no, I have a big mean dog too. But uh, you know, I used to be scared though. I did. I used to be afraid to get on the phone with people. Like, I don't get it. Like we're all like, I don't know. Maybe it was just me, fear of failure, fear of rejection. And does that still creep up? Yeah. There's days of doubt. Absolutely.
0: Oh, uh, all, all every day, and it's the knowledge that that's just a voice inside your head. You
1: know, yeah, it's bullcrap. It's usually when I like wake up in the middle of the night, and that they say that those sleepless nights. You know, I wake up and I'm like, oh man, maybe this. What if this deal doesn't work out? What if I'm buying this land and I'm getting scammed? And then I wake up the next morning fully charged. I'm like, oh, I did all my due diligence. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this since 2016. I actually started in 2007, but I wasn't successful until about 2016. It was a long runway for me. (laughs) But it's also, it's like I heard Trevor Mock, who created carrot.com, say, you know, it's the a lot of people who fear the unknown if they take that action or start that business or do that land deal or that house deal, what all the bad things that can happen. He, he reverses it. He says, what if I don't do it? Like, what if I'm still here, you know, in this thankless job working for this employer, making them a fortune? What if I don't do it? And I'm still here 20 years from now. My kids have grown up, moved away. I had nothing to show for it. I built a company like, like my dad, he built a business for another man who became Mm -hmm. ultra wealthy, like very wealthy. I respect that, that owner very much, but my dad built the business and he has nothing to show for it. You know, 20 something years later.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, there's, I admire anyone who chooses to not go after the American dream and just, you know, make a living or whatever that is. But yes, most of us have that fire inside of us. And, you know, I would hope that no one would allow fear. I and mean, that's what happens, you know, the fear and our past gets in the way of, of, you know, really moving forward in, in the future. I totally agree 100%. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I guess that separates the men from the boys, right? (laughs) It's kind of like your coffee cup. Brent Bowers, it has been an absolute joy getting to know you. I want to do this again. Check back in with us every six months or so. See how what's new in land. Let me ask you one more quick question. We're given the fact that, you know, I mean, obviously things are still hot. Are you in a sell mode more than a buy mode? Are you, you know, land, I would think moves with the tides of the market. What do you have any like six month,
1: one year? Yeah. Like focus on
0: one direction more than the
1: other. Absolutely. I'm always, always, always looking to build up my passive income. And how do I do that? I buy seller financing by selling the land on seller financing. Now I try and do this with my own cash that I built up by flipping. I do this with my in-laws cash that I pay them interest on. Or, you know, a friend of mine just told me she had $200,000. She wants to make roughly 9% interest on. So we're going to buy a land deal that I can sell at, you know, for 400,000 at 12%. And I'm going to do what's called positive arbitrage. Uh, I hate that I just used that word because I might've lost some people just getting started. But basically my payment to her, you know, let's use easy math, 10% on 100,000. I'm roughly paying, what is that? $1,000 a month? Well, if I sell to someone for a little bit more for a higher interest rate, I'm collecting almost $2,000 a month. So I keep the the difference. Yeah. Yeah, So I collect $2,000. I pay out $1,000. That's an extra $1,000 a month in discretionary income. Like imagine anybody listening to this, what would an extra $100 a week or $100 a day or $1,000 a month do for your life? And we just build it and build it and build it. And it's a snowball effect. So that's my goal. I'm trying to add another, you know, roughly in the next year, another $12 additional $1,000 net I see what
0: you're saying. I see because you're saying that, listen, if I can turn it into a cash flow for myself, it doesn't matter where the market goes.
1: It doesn't matter because I'm buying it literally most of the time, 50 cents on the dollar or less. That Daytona beach land I talked about, my plan was not to partner with the city until I met someone who's boots on ground. He goes, Brent, do you realize what they're trying to do in this area? I was like, I have no idea. So we're partnering together. I own the land. My original goal was just to sell it for two hundred and forty thousand. I was buying it for one fifty, sell it for two forty. So not really fifty cents on the dollar on that deal. But most of the time, I'm trying to get them at about fifty cents on the dollar. So if the land's worth a hundred thousand, I need to pay about fifty thousand. That gives me a huge, huge. Sorry about that. Huge buffer or a huge just margin of safety. If things really just go to crap, I could sell it for what I've got into it.
0: That's great. I think it's very interesting to hear that you've figured out a way to turn land into a cash flowing product because most people would think well that's exactly not what land is but that's really i think what makes you unique and that's really that's fantastic stuff man
1: well i have no competition in this it's like <laughs> no competition in this business and, and some people are probably like well why are you out here on a podcast you have no idea i do partners with I, i'm sorry i do more deals with my land sharks than ever i get lending from my land sharks i mean maybe you got some money in the stock market and you're scared and you want to pull it out and invest in land. Like it's just.
0: Well, and the truth. And the one thing is, is corporations could fade away. Trends go away, you know, products go away, but there's never, you know, land is not any new. There's no new land unless you're talking about this, you know, South China sea.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that stuff on the Meta or whatever. There's no
0: new land coming to America. If anything, with rising waters, we probably are going to see less land. So, you know, there's a finite amount. And that's why it's it's always going to hold an intrinsic asset
1: value. And I can farm it. I can grow stuff on it. You know, I can build stuff on it. I can live on it. I can camp on it. I can put my RV. My son's been all weekend long riding four wheelers at my grandma, my parents, his grandparents house on their land. And like, That's you great. can do stuff like that.
0: Now you're starting to make me feel bad because my
1: sister just sold some land. Oh, there's some pieces I've sold that I wish I never would have.
0: Brent Bowers, thanks for being on the real estate lowdown. It was a joy spending this half
1: hour with you, my friend. Thank you, Bill. God bless you, man. Talk to you soon.
0: that's a wrap of today's episode of the real estate lowdown i enjoy bringing this content to you each and every week and i really appreciate you tuning in if you haven't already done so please share the real estate lowdown or any episode any favorite episode with your friends family and you know, if you don't mind, leave a positive review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember to follow us so you don't do get notified every time a new episode is released. Love to hear from you directly at com. Till then, see you next time.